Hello, I'm Blair Lemke. Welcome to Let God Speak. Humanity battles with a sinful human nature. We have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But by accepting Christ's substitutionary death for us, we can stand worthy in the sight of God. Our Bible study today will reveal this. On our panel today, we have Morgan Vincent and Hannah Nakagawa. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. As always, let's begin our program with prayer. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for the opportunity that we have to be here today, to be able to study your word. And we ask now that you would send your Holy Spirit to be with us as we study and uh, as we learn. Guide us, lead us into truth, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we've been journeying through this study series looking at the topic of covenants. And uh, today in our study series, we're specifically going to be looking at the role that faith plays uh, in a covenant. Now, for those, uh, our viewers who may be joining us for the first time uh, and haven't joined some of the earlier sessions where we've talked about covenants and these sorts of things, Morgan, can you share with us just a quick summary of what is a covenant? Yeah, a covenant is a really beautiful thing in Scripture. And basically a covenant is an agreement between two parties or two groups of people because of a relationship they, they have. And we find throughout the Bible God making a series of covenants uh, with his people where he outlines his faithfulness, his uh, commitment to that and the human response to that as well. Mm. So that, that's in a nutshell what a covenant is. Mm. Yeah. And, and, you know, in, in claiming these promises that God makes and the mm. expectations that he has on his people in this kind of covenant relationship, uh, faith plays an important part in these covenant relationships mm-hmm. with God. So, uh, Hannah, I want to ask you the question, uh, what exactly does faith have to do with covenant keeping, given that's the topic of our study today? Yes, so it's a very crucial um, question. So let us open Galatians chapter 3 and verse 11. Galatians chapter 3, verse 11. Um, so um, the Bible says in Galatians chapter 3, 11, it says, but that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. For the just shall live by faith. Mm. So no matter how hard we try to keep the commandments of God or try to be faithful to God, we fail Mm -hmm. always. But when we turn our eyes on Jesus, Jesus uh, lived a perfect life. He fulfilled the covenant of Mm. God. And that's how through our faith in Jesus, we can have, we can receive that faithful life. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Wow. What a, what a, a beautiful opportunity we have uh, and what Christ has done for us is just absolutely amazing. Uh, But not only did Christ live a faithful life on behalf of us, uh, but we read in scripture that Christ also uh, took upon himself the punishment that mm. uh, that sin results in, he, uh, that deserved, it would result in his death. Mm. And I want to read a text here and then uh, ask a question. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 uh, through to verse 19, we read this in God's word. 
It says, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things uh, like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by traditions from your fathers, verse 19, but with the precious blood of Christ Mm. as of a lamb without blemish and uh, without spot. I want to ask this question to you, Morgan. Uh, this is, there's a lot in this text here talking about um, you know, the blood we were purchased, with, not with corruptible things, but with the blood, the precious blood of Jesus. Uh, what does Peter mean here when he says uh, that we were ransomed? Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's an amazing thing that we're ransomed or redeemed, as, as we read earlier, that uh, it, it brings the language and the symbolism of the Old Testament where a slave uh, was in the ownership of somebody else, but they were redeemed uh, by somebody uh, with a price that was paid. Mm. And here, what what the Bible is saying is that we were redeemed from sin and the end fruit of that, which is death. Mm. We were redeemed not by any human merit or not by any human devising, but we were actually redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus, by his atoning death upon the cross for us. That's, a, that's the amazing news. Yeah, and that's a like, powerful point because we are all slaves to sin. Mm, mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, now when we look at this text, again, it is just, uh, you know, as I read through these texts, no matter how many times I've read them before, they're just so encouraging uh, to, to me and my Christian experience and to anyone who desires to live a life with Christ. Uh, but as we, as we look at this process and as we see that the role that Jesus plays uh, in our ransoming, in our redemption, uh, how important is Jesus in this process of maintain, maintaining a right covenant relationship with God uh, and securing this eternal life? It mm. seems from this text that Jesus is a pretty pivotal figure. Mm. Yes. Um, how important really is Jesus in maintaining this right covenant relationship? Yes, just because we have nothing to offer, we have nothing good in us. Um, Jesus is everything and Jesus is all for us. Um, let's open First uh, John chapter 5, 11 to 13. The Bible says, And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of Mm. God. So it's only through Jesus, the name of Jesus, that we will have eternal life because Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid the um, penalty sacrifice for us. So it is through Jesus that um, his, yeah, his sacrifice that we are ransomed from death and sin. Well, and you know, it, it seems in that text, uh, it's, it's very clear that this is, uh, G- it's only through Jesus yes. that salvation is offered mm. to the world, uh, which can be sometimes a little bit of a um, a hard thing for, for, for our pluralistic society to grapple with mm. that scripture makes the claim that it is only through Jesus Christ that salvation is offered mm. to the world. Mm. There's one path to, to etern- eternity, to mm. uh, heaven, and, and that's offered through Jesus. Um, and so uh, he's made that available to all people. You know, mm. scripture says that his grace has appeared, the grace that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Uh, and so uh, it's not an exclusive thing here, but it is a very, in the sense that keep, of keeping people out, but it is, uh, it is only through Christ, as, as you've pointed out, that mm. we can reach 
uh, or that we can mm. have a, a relationship, right relationship with God. Yes. Now, uh, again, focusing on this idea of faith in covenant keeping, uh, I want to take us to Genesis, the book of Genesis. So if you have your, uh, if you turn with me to Genesis chapter, uh, we're going to go to Genesis chapter 15. Sorry, uh, Genesis chapter 15. And we're going to read verse six here, uh, focusing on this idea of faith in covenant keeping as we kind of go through our study together here. And now in Genesis chapter 15, verse six, we read this text. It says, uh, and he speaking here of, of Abram, it says, and he believed in the Lord and he, meaning God, and he, God, counted it to him for righteousness. Mm. He believed in the Lord. Abraham believed in the Lord and God accounted it to him uh, as righteousness. Morgan, I want to ask you the question and uh, ask for your response here. Why does the Bible say in this text here, as we explore this concept of faith and covenant keeping, why does the Bible say that Abraham's faith was counted to him Mm. uh, as righteousness in this text here? Yeah, it's a good question, and it seems a, an interesting word to, to use here, but it, it's not here by chance. The, the idea of Abram's faith being counted to him for righteousness, we, we can look at his life, and, and he lived an obedient life, a faithful life, not all the time. Mm. You know, if we were to read his whole life story, it's, it's not that all the time. But the word accounted in, in the original Hebrew language here, it, it gives reference to this idea of weaving, Uh, Now, I find that interesting and I want to just pick on that point just for a moment. This idea of 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 his his faith being counted or or weaved to him for righteousness. We know it's not Abram's righteousness here, Mm. but it's God's righteousness, Mm. which ties perfectly in with this idea of covenant in that it's God's righteousness. It's God's faithfulness to Abram. And his response is that he believes Mm. in what God can do. Mm -hmm. And so this idea of it is that, you know, the focus is on God's faithfulness, on God's righteousness to Abram Mm. and his response to that. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, uh, God is faithful. God doesn't let us down. And so when we're when we're relying on God's faithfulness Mm -hmm. and his reliability, uh, we know Scripture says God cannot lie. You know, he doesn't. uh, we can we can trust that yes. he is faithful. Mm. Uh, so yeah, wow, what a what a powerful insight to that text there. Now, Thank as we look at this word um, counted that we've just been discussing here, uh, various translations have rendered this word uh, differently. Some have rendered it as reckoned. Uh, some have uh, put it as credited or accounted. Uh, but the the same term here that has these various translate. Uh, uh, ways of exp- being mm, expressed mm. in different translations uh, is used in other texts in the book of Moses as well. <laughs> and uh, I want to ask you, you, Hannah, uh, how is this idea of reckoning expressed uh, in the context of the sacrifices uh, in later on in the book of Moses? Yes, um, we can open Leviticus chapter 7 and it will give us the idea of um, sac- how sacrifice um, works. So uh, Leviticus chapter 7 and verse 18, it says, And if any of the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offering is eaten at all on the third day, it shall not be accepted, nor shall it be imputed to him. It shall be an abomination to him who offers it, and the person who eats of it shall bear guilt. Mm. 
So here it shows that the peace offering was not eaten on the third day. It wasn't counted as a um, proper sacrifice. It wasn't reckoned to the benefit of the offerer. So in the same way, um, Jesus is the only way, the truth and the life. Mm. No one comes to the Father you know, except through him. So this is the way that we will be counted righteousness before God. But when we do that um, in the right way, uh, he sees us righteous mm. before God, mm. which is a uh, um, good news for us. Oh, it certainly is. And, you know, this, this truth that you're just talking about, this idea of being declared righteous, not because of any act that, that a, a person has done or us that we have done, mm. uh, but because of the faith of Christ, because of his faithfulness, mm. because of what he has done for us. This is the essence of the great teaching in Scripture of justification by faith. Mm. Uh, the great cry of the Protestant Reformation uh, that through faith we are counted righteous in the sight of God and that all else that is connected to that, you know, the thing, obedience, uh, sanctification, holy living, character development, um, all of these things stems from this great truth wow. uh, that, that you've just shared for us and that mm. we see here in these texts. Now, I want to go to you, Morgan, and ask mm. you a question because this truth is just so <laughs> remarkable. It's so beautiful that some people struggle to accept this idea. Mm. Uh, and, you know, and it's very at odds with our society in general that uh, has a, a meritorious-based system of you know, being mm. uh, recognized for the works that you do through your performance and these sorts of things. Now, how would you respond, Morgan, to someone who wants to be a Christian, who seeks to be a Christian, but says, I don't feel righteous? Uh, you know, how would you, what would you respond? How would you, mm. you counsel this person? Yeah, I've, I have been asked this question, um, you know, myself, but also I've asked it as well. Mm. And, and so what I would say is this, it's, 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 and it's hard because obviously we, we, we have these feelings and a person may have these feelings, but we can't go off of our feelings because that's not the focus of, of this, this message, of this study. You know, we may not feel righteous or accepted by God, but the beauty is that there are promises in the Bible that we can believe by faith. And our feelings really don't have anything to do with mm. faith. You know, there may be times where, where we may not feel like we're saved. We may not feel like God is close to us, mm. but his promise is that he has saved us and that he is with us always. I want to just, just read this out. It says, the closer you come to Jesus, the more faulty you will appear in your own eyes. Mm. For your vision will be clearer and your imperfections will be seen in broad and distinct contrast to his perfect nature. Hmm. So there's the idea of, well, obviously I'm not mm. going to feel good because, you know, that that's because you're seeing the holiness and the righteousness of Christ. Yes goes on and says that we're not to be discouraged because this is evidence that Satan's delusions are losing their power and the influence of the Holy Spirit mm. is working upon us. Wow. That's powerful. Yeah. Look, you know, this, this idea of not trusting our feelings, but trusting mm. God's word. And that even if we feel like we're not accepted before God, uh, we, to, we are to believe his promises. And we are to expect that if we are, the closer we get to Jesus, the more we will be aware of those mm. things where we uh, mm. fall short. Uh, but the more that we have Christ's presence with us to live a holy and faithful life mm. to him. Now, uh, Hannah, I want to again address another kind of 
catch that might trap some people or that some people or some of our viewers may be wondering. Um, how would you respond to the person who is maybe out there listening to the program that says, um, I love what I'm hearing, but I have too many weaknesses to be used by God? Wow, I have the same feeling sometimes. And but here's the things. Second um, Corinthians chapter 12 and verse um, 9 and 10, it says, um, and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weaknesses. Therefore, most gladly, I, uh, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches in needs and in persecutions, in distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Mm. So here, this is like um, Christian paradox. You know, yeah. the society tells us like, you need to be strong, you need to be independent. But then when we are weak, we can rely on God. We can ask God to help us. And that's where God's strengths come into our life and we can, He can use us. Um, if we don't have that need, we won't ask God. Mm. So it's, it's good things when we are weak mm. because that's where God can walk in us. <laughs> it's almost like um, a weakness provides an opportunity for yes. God's strength to be shown mm. uh, in, in a way that gives glory to Him and doesn't attract attention to us. And so, mm. um, yeah, for that person that may feel like they can't be used by God, that their weaknesses are holding them back, um, God will use you, will work through you uh, and uh, bring glory to Himself in that way. I want to throw another question here, mm. um, being, uh, you know, approaching these thoughts that some of our listeners may have, how would you respond to the argument or the idea that if we're saved by uh, accredited righteousness and not a righteousness of, of our own behalf uh, on our own efforts, uh, mm. then does it not matter what we do or how we act? Morgan, interested in your response to that. How do we tie this together in our Christian experience? Yeah, we'll, we'll go to the Bible uh, in, in the book of James chapter 2. Uh, I'll read from verses 17 to 20, and and this gives a a succinct answer. Verse 17 says, Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Mm. James goes on in verse 18. But some of you will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Verse 19. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Now, any any kind of relationship, <clears throat> they may claim that they love the other person. But, but if there's no evidence of that, if there's no works, if you will, of that, it's not really going to mean much. And so for us... We, we look at this and, and if, we, if our faith in Christ has no works, it's dead. Mm-hmm. There's, there's no life to it. But, but the amazing thing is that Paul also says in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 6 that he says, our faith works or is energized, it's motivated by love. Mm. So our works don't save us, but our works reveal that we are saved because we have faith in Christ. Mm. And so all true obedience, it's got to come from our hearts. Mm. Wow. 
Yeah, and you know, I, I, I suppose summing that up, we just see this idea that uh, true biblical faith mm. motivates you to uh, be faithful to God mm. uh, as opposed to um, finding a way out of being obedient and faithful to God. Mm. Um, I guess a follow-up question to that, and I'll throw this one to you, Hannah. Uh, it kind of builds on this idea. Um, if it's our faith that earns us salvation and not our good works, um, why then are good works such a crucial part of the Christian experience? Yes, that's a good point. We can't um, minimize, you know, either faith or works or justification or sanctification um, because both are so crucial for Christian life. And, um, you know, like some might say like, oh, if you believe in it, just don't do anything. But really, like if if you love someone, you want to do something good to please that person as well. So it's mm-hmm. the same thing when we love God, we want to please him, we want to do for him. So I think um, justification or um, faith will give us the you know title to the heaven, but also sanctification will be our fitness mm. um, to heaven. That's beautiful. You know, that idea that we, mm. um, we will not just have a right to be in heaven through our faith, mm. but that we'll fit in, yeah. that we'll want to be with God. Uh, that we'll enjoy his commandments and his laws and we'll find um, a delight to do your will. Mm. Uh, you know, these sorts of psalms and things mm. that have been shared. That's wonderful. Now, I want to, uh, you know, many people, we've been looking at this idea of faith and covenants and all of that. Um, I want to make take a bit of a practical turn here now. And, uh, you know, as many people, some people as they approach the end of their life, as they look back on their, the, you know, the whole way they've lived their life, they sense a real need for the righteousness of Christ and, um, and, and a need for you know, faith in Christ. And, and I guess you can assess how you've lived your life at the end of your life. Um, the good news is that we don't have to wait till the end of our life to do yeah. these sorts of things. And there's so many beautiful promises in Scripture that uh, are on offer to us now mm. that we can find joy and, um, and strength in the righteousness of Christ. And what I'd like to do is just look at some of these promises, spend the remainder of our time together looking at some of them uh, and, and ask the question or see how they can help to develop and keep and strengthen our covenantal relationship with God. And I'd like to start by reading uh, a text here in Psalms, uh, in Psalms, Psalms chapter 34, and uh, we're going to go to verse 8, Psalms chapter 34, verse 8. And we read in God's word, uh, it says here, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Mm. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Amen. Uh, Morgan, I'm going to ask you this question. This text here talks about tasting and seeing mm. that the Lord is good. How can we taste God's goodness? Something that comes to mind even just now is that the, here are two senses mentioned of, of, of our five main senses. And so we can experience God you know, with all of our senses. And here David mentions, you know, by tasting and by seeing. And so, you know, for us and and for our viewers, it's really about fellowshipping and spending time with God Mm. is is such a key and crucial way that we can get to know him and that we can get to know more of his covenantal faithfulness to us. Uh, It's in devotion. It's in in spending time in God's word. It's in prayer, but also to to go on the idea of our senses, even I mean, even enjoying a good meal. You know, we can we can think that, you know, God, he's provided this food for us. And and even being outside in nature and enjoying God's creation, we can we can see the work of his hands. And so really, these are very practical ways uh, that we can experience God, that we Mm. can 
have that relationship with him as mm. well. That's beautiful. Uh, let's look at another promise here. And I'm going to take us to Matthew chapter 11. And we're going to read verses 28 to 30. Another promise. It says, Come to me, Jesus speaking, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Mm. Mm. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Uh, Hannah, I want to ask the question to you. What has Christ done for us that makes this yoke so easy? He says here that my yoke is easy, my burden is light. How, does, how is this the case? Yes. So when Jesus was here, he was treated as um, we deserve to be treated. Um, he was suffered. He was rejected. He suffered the death of cross in the end as well. So um, in Isaiah, it says, by his stripe, we are healed. Mm-hmm. Um, in Second Corinthians, it says that he made himself known in no sin to be sin for us so that we can be righteousness in God. So he took the penalty for us so that we can, the burden is lifted for us. We can have the abundant life that he deserves. Mm-hmm. Hmm. This, you know, this is this concept of grace, mm. uh, God's riches at Christ's expense, what Christ did for us. Uh, and, uh, and we can enjoy and experience the riches of God as a result of that. Mm. Very powerful. Let's look at another promise here. In Romans chapter 5, verse 1, uh, we read this. It says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God mm. through our Lord Jesus Christ. Morgan, I want to ask you the question, uh, what does justification have to do with peace? Uh, What what does this promise offer us with our Mm. covenant relationship with God? In a word, everything, Uh, because there there are two ways of thinking. One is a a uh, merit-based system whereby I would have to do something Mm. to appease God in order to get peace from Him. Uh, This is foreign to the Bible, but what we find in the Bible is that... uh, the experience of justification by faith, the experience of God's grace to us is that it's what he has done for us. And we believe that we, we, we have a living faith toward that. And, and then we find that the gift of Christ, the gift of his peace means that we can experience peace in our hearts because mm. we realize it's God's favor to us, not anything we have to do to to try and you know mm. get God to to do something for us. He's taken the first step for us, and so for all of us, our viewers at home, we want peace in our hearts. Mm. We're searching for peace in our hearts, one way or another. And there's no better place, and there's really the only place to find true peace in our hearts is through Christ. You know, I think so much of the world is looking for that sort of Mm. peace and God's word describes the peace that he offers as the peace that passes understanding. Mm. This world cannot know it. And so very beautiful, very powerful Mm. promise for us. Mm. I want to look at one last promise uh, here in uh, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through to verse 8. And uh, we read this. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, coming in the likeness of men, and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient to death, the death of a cross. Mm. Wow. Um, Hannah, what have you gained from Christ's experience that we see here um, offered? 
Yes, so God, um, He, Jesus became human and He lived a perfect life and He gained a victory, you know, and that's how we can also have the victory in Him. Mm. And um, nothing can separate us from the love of God. And also we can have this example of Jesus, how He humbled Himself. Mm. So we can have this model of humility mm. as well. Yeah, and look, it's just such a powerful uh, bond that we have with Christ that's offered through this experience. Mm. And with because of that, we can face uh, life's challenges confidently. Thanks for joining us. Uh, viewers, Christ was treated as we deserve, uh, that we may be treated as he deserves. He suffered the death which was ours, that we might receive the life which was his. And by his stripes, we are healed. Uh, won't you put your faith in him today? We're so glad that you joined us today on Let God Speak. If you'd like to watch this program again or any past program, you can go to our website, 3abnaustralia.org.au. Thank you for joining us. Please do again. God bless. You have been listening to Let God Speak, a production of 3ABN Australia Television. To catch up on past programs, please visit 3abnaustralia.org.au. Call us in Australia on 02 4973 3456 or email radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. We'd love to hear from you.